9 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Cake, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Want to share a favorite Christmas movie with us today? Got thoughts on the buffs who, from a high school recruiting standpoint, did not fare all that well yesterday. But when you combine the transfers coming in, 16 of the 21 players are transfer players for Coach Prime. Colorado is the second best recruiting class of the early signing period behind Georgia. Does it concern you that the Buffs aren't better at recruiting high school prospects? Because of the five they did bring in, though, three were four-star and the other two were three-star. I'm not concerned. They are, they are bringing in talent at the, from the high school ranks, and we'll see what happens to Jordan Seaton, whether or not he ends up deciding to stick with his commitment to Colorado. When initially it looked like it was a done deal, the undisputed appearance, and and, and Mark Johnson joined us, voice the Buffaloes in the seven o'clock hour, and you know I, I agree with Mark on it. I I'm not crazy about the theatrics. No. That he goes on undisputed, puts the Buffs hat on, puts the sunglasses on. Uh, Michael Irvin texting back and forth with with Deion Sanders during that appearance. And then now it's, well, maybe I want to go back closer to home where he played his high school football in Washington, D.C., go to Maryland. Did he do that for leverage? Possibly, because he just verbally committed. He, He did not put pen to paper. He did not commit to Colorado, ex- the, you know, the exception obviously verbally, and putting the Buffs hat on and, and the whole nine yards. I, you know, I just, I, I just feel like that in this day and age, we, we tend to view things, like I said, with a, with a very short attention span. Right. And so I might think he looks like a, like a fool doing what he did. But ultimately, if it ends up being a better deal for him in terms of maybe NIL, things like that, that Maryland can offer him. And that's where we are now. It's, it's what can you do for me, you know? And and you're going to use things like Undisputed, an appearance on there, to go, hey, anybody out there, uh, anybody, can you up the buffs offer? Can you do better than Colorado? And that seems like that's what happened with the whole situation, you know, that's now evolved for Jordan Seaton. I, I just, you know, it's, it's look, none of us like it. If you're an old school guy, you don't like it, but it's what the reality is. And we've got a text, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. Uh, let's see. We've got one from Dylan, different age with the recruiting and transfer portal now. Still have to make sure you, you your guys are highly skilled at football. Abs need to get back on track tonight. Well, you guys have shows next week. We will Tuesday through Friday, or Wednesday through Friday, excuse me. Uh, I'll it'll be Buckeye myself Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, Max will be in on Friday. And just a reminder, too, that uh, tomorrow is a holiday edition of the show. We'll be on from 7 until 9. We'll do our football picks at 8.40 tomorrow. So it'll be the same for uh, the Friday before the New Year's weekend as well. We'll be on from 7 to 9. The rest of the shows will be uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, three hours. Give us a full three every morning here on the Jim Davis Show. But we will be off, obviously, Christmas Day and Tuesday as well.
Got a text from uh, Bronco Sarge. Our family has to watch both Home Alone movies, Elf, Christmas Vacation, and our Christmas Eve tradition is the Polar Express. Personally, I think Scrooged is underrated. Prime Bill Murray and Bobcat. Merry Christmas, gang. Love Elf. Still like Christmas Vacation. It there's still there's moments I find really funny. It's not aging well though for you. In some ways, it's not. Maybe it's. I used to be a huge Chevy Chase fan, and as time's gone on, he's just such a jerk. He's become kind of a poster child for. But he's always been this way. That's the thing. It just that's where social media and things like that kind of expose people. Sometimes it's good and bad. Sometimes it also exposes people to be who they really are. Right. And Chevy Chase and and interviews things that he said himself make him a less than likable guy. But I still love the character of Clark Griswold. Thought he was great as Fletch. Though John Hamm was not bad in the Fletch movie. He was okay. I did not quite reboot the franchise the way I think they were hoping it would. Nope. But um, I agree with Bronco Sarge about Scrooge, though. That is a really good movie. Very underrated. It's kind of a little bit dark-ish. A little bit. But I think it's really good. I agree with him on that one. Uh, let's see. We have a winner, by the way, for... Uh, who is it today, correct? Yes, we do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest another winner on the Team Sports Network. Craig correctly identifying for who is it today? Chris Birdman Anderson. Your once former two-time Denver Nuggets Miami Heat NBA champion and victim of a catfishing scandal. Yeah, that that turned into um, a fiasco. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I have a actually I have an Arby's Birdman glass. <laughs> I do. I love it. When I watch the Nuggets, I always have to have a little little beverage in my uh, my Chris Anderson Birdman. That's awesome. Glass, which uh, Jerry Schimmel spoke at uh, the JUCO banquet referenced Chris Anderson. That's right. Yeah, he played a blend. I forgot about a, that. He yeah, a, he was a blend Buccaneer once upon a time. All right, nine oh six. You know, so yesterday was the early signing period. For, uh, for high school football players. And we, we talked about Colorado with the, the 21 players coming in. That 16 of those are transfers, by the way. Uh, heavy on the offensive line as far as uh, the, the focus for Deion Sanders after his son and quarterback Shadur got sacked more than anybody else in Division One football uh, this uh, this past season, this past regular season. So um, so waiting to find about Jordan Seaton, as we've referenced, uh, top offensive tackle prospect in the country that on Undisputed on FS1 had committed verbally to Colorado, but now that was up in the air because he's received an offer from Maryland. CSU, they had 19 commitments. And for Jay Norvell, a lot of that was just keeping guys it already has on the roster on the roster, like Braden Fowler-Nicolosi, who was getting some offers from other schools, but uh, he has decided to stay at Colorado. Um, they were also able to get Torrey Horton to come back. Uh, Justice Ross Simmons back. So th- that's, that's key to Jay Norvell and CSU having a good 2024. That getting those guys to stay. But, uh, but Jay had some comments. This is from the Denver Post from an article from Sean Keeler. The way we build football teams 
to win is being challenged by the transfer portal and NIL. But something has to be done. If a school tampers with players in somebody else's roster, they should get fined. They should be docked scholarships. Right now, people are breaking the rules and buying their way out of it. Look what's happened all over. Look at Arizona State, Tennessee, Michigan. Nobody gets penalized for breaking the rules, so it's very frustrating. He's right about that. Yeah. Other schools that are caught trying to poach players, there needs to be some kind of repercussion, but who's going to dole out that punishment? Not Charlie Baker in the NCAA. They, they, they barely have any control over what's going on. And they have, they have zero control of what happens in college football right now at the, at the power five, the, 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 the highest level of college football. They've not done a particularly great job in, in executing the transfer portal and how that operates. I, I just think that he's, he's right, but who's, Jay's right, but who's going to be the one that's going to dole out that punishment. Especially in a day and age where, for all practical purposes, the NCAA has has lost its power. I mean, let's, let's face it, right? Because you have all the court cases that they've lost recently, and you have the just this ongoing disdain for the NCAA in terms of how it operates, how it, you know, how it's handled things like scandals and just this general disdain you have amongst college sports fans, how much they hate the NCAA, how much athletes hate the NCAA, how much at times coaches hate the NCAA, you know, for all of the, for all the things that they've either done or did not do when it came to things like NIL, like the transfer portal, you know, how it handled scandal after scandal. And you're talking about the Baylor or, you know, whatever. The NCAA has lost its grip. And I think rightfully so. And so that's kind of left this, power vacuum where you know you're not going to get a governing body to punish these schools for poaching these players because that governing body was supposed to be the NCAA and they've lost control well and Charlie Baker the, the NCAA president has proposed this idea of creating uh, a, a system for the, the, the power schools the power conferences of kind of of, of managing their own Ecosystem, if you will. We'll see if that happens of players being paid and, and those kind of things being part of what it'd be to be a, a member of a, a power conference and then the elite level of, of college football. Whether that's going to come together or not remains to be seen. But you know, it's, it is, it's a different landscape. But for, for Colorado State, it was a nice day yesterday. I mean, they, they, they were able to keep players from leaving, key guys, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi being huge, huge, Horton's huge. But they also added a four-star wide receiver in Jordan Ross, who there are some that feel like he might be the best receiver, at least best receiver prospect they've they've ever had at Colorado State, which is saying a lot considering the guy that's there right now, those two receivers, right. Jordan and Ross, are really, really good. Uh, Hollywood Higgins from back in the day, Michael Gallup. I mean, there's been some really talented receivers at Colorado State in recent years. 
but um, SoCal kid that uh, you know junior year ended up with a um, collarbone injury. Played only six games, had twenty five catches, four hundred eighteen yards, and six touchdowns. But uh, but bounced back with a big senior season, sixteen hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns. And coming out of California, considered by by 24-7 sports to be one of the more complete receivers coming out of the state of California. That's that's pretty good. That says a lot about about the young man who is expected to uh, play a big role in Jay Norvell's air, air raid offense going forward. So, and then for Jay Norvell, of course, you had the, um, well, the Coach Prime Amazon documentary where there was the interaction between Jay and Deion oh, Sanders yeah. after the, the, the end of the CSU game, after the comments that were made by Jay Norvell leading up to the game about Deion Sanders wearing sunglasses in interviews. And, and how Jay was did, like, I wasn't raised that way or something like that. And then, of course, Deion takes it as, as fuel for the fire and he disrespected my mom and, and to the you know Sanders brothers and dis- disrespecting your grandma and and of course the players like yeah i mean and and so it was it's exactly what you should do as a coach you find things to motivate and jay norvell gave him plenty to plenty plenty of along with being of course in state rivalry game but gave them even more fuel for the fire so i don't i haven't um, i haven't got a chance to watch the newest episode of it, but when it comes when during this exchange, that Jay Norvell says congratulations to Sanders after the game, and I was never talking about your family, Sanders. Oh, you were talking about my mama. <laughs> Norvell said, "No, I was not." Sanders, yes, you were. Yes, you were. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Now, if remember, here's here's what he said. This is what Jay Norvell said on with Brian Roth on on the weekly coaches show leading up to the the Rocky Mountain Showdown. When I sat down with ESPN to talk about the CUCSU game, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder, I told ESPN I took my hat and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. It's. Uh... It's probably a case of mis not misinterpretation or misunderstanding, but a a a, a twist of words that Coach Prime used to obviously motivate the Buffs against CSU, and because you're going to take it as you're talking about my mom, you're saying my mom didn't raise me right. That's and I, I think that's kind of what Jay Norvell meant. And and Jay can look, and it's now it's been it's it's it's, it's, it's over it's, now. It's, it's history. In the past. But if you're if you're Jay Norvell, you you just know you don't bring up anybody's mom in a negative sense. No, implying that his mama his mom did not teach him to conduct his life the right way. Uh, and it, of course, it's now bubbling back up because of the. Amazon documentary with Deion yeah, Sanders. Yeah, yeah, Because we got to see it unfold in front of us. Well, I, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I will very soon. But for um, Colorado State, 
a uh, the, the recruiting class, by the way, yesterday, number one, the Mountain West. So that's impressive that they've been able to put together that kind of recruiting class uh, over at Colorado State. And good things lie ahead for both, I think, programs. I think so, too. Moving forward. Now, as far as in-state recruits, uh, a lot of kids signing yesterday, nobody here locally uh, signing, but um, you know Blake Barnett that played against uh, Montrose in uh, the state uh, football 4A semifinals, the Erie quarterback, uh, three-star quarterback. He was committed to Kansas State. He followed through on his commitment. He's now a Wildcat. Should mention that Keen Bessert uh, didn't sign yesterday, but transferred uh, the former Fruit of Monument lineman, long snapper that was a Wisconsin. Keen's now, uh, Keen will now join Blake Barnett at Kansas State. But uh, just some other um, names from that Erie team, Jackson Cowgill from Erie. He's going to Washington State, the defensive lineman. His brother Mason is going to South Dakota to play tight end there. Uh, Northern Colorado signed a lot of local kids. A, a, a ton of, of local kids um, that'll uh, be playing at Northern Colorado. For Colorado State, they um, they added a player we talked about yesterday with Brian Roth, uh, Dagan Myers. Uh, the safety is uh, going to Colorado State. So um, anyway, that's just kind of a quick look at uh, some of the recruiting uh, numbers from yesterday for Colorado and Colorado State. And uh, once again, for the Mavericks, it's not really until we get to February for the traditional signing period right. that we'll see uh, Miles Cochaver and what that class looks like over Colorado Mesa. But uh, certainly the transfer portal will have an impact on that as some more things kind of shake out with uh, players moving through the portal, finding out that they're not, it's not going to be a fit for them, and, and then moving on potentially plus high school players that, uh, that don't get offered that, uh, that turn to other programs, Division II programs most notably, uh, for their next uh, football opportunity. All right, 918, Jim along with Cake today. Can text or call us 970-242-1340. We will take a break. We'll come back. Uh, this day in sports history coming up. Uh, more of your text as well on the Jim Davis Show. Text or call us, Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah. From the Grand Valley to Rifle, Delta to Montrose, this is the Jim Davis Show. Hopefully, uh, back out touring with the East Street Band after he had what the ulcer issue, they kind of that shut down Ooh, yeah. his uh, his concert. So I uh, saw a piece on little uh, little Steven the other day. What a unique cat! Oh yeah, uh, of course. And from the Sopranos, uh, Lillehammer. If you get a chance on Netflix to watch Lillehammer with him, okay. He basically plays. Oh, what was the name of the character on the Sopranos? 
that he played. Oh, hang on. I'm going to look. Uh, <sighs> I'm drawing a blank right now. He basically plays that character. And it's kind of a it's kind of a funny TV series about it. He goes Silvio. Silvio. He basically plays Silvio. But he's in this foreign country and he's running away from, from the law and he finds a way to start uh, his own criminal criminal enterprises in uh, in Lillehammer. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out. It's pretty good. All right. Um, 923, Jim along with Cake today. Dexter Collis, predictions on the Broncos, Patriots. Uh, of course, that's that's the Sunday night, Christmas Eve, right here on the team with pregame at 4 o'clock. So for the Broncos, they finished the season with three teams that are under 500. You got the Patriots, 3-11, and 11, as we talked about. It's a little bit deceptive because of the one-score, the seven one-score games that they've lost. Chargers have that as part of their resume a little bit as well. They have the Chargers, and then they have the Raiders, who are 6-8. and eight. So the Raiders kept their hopes alive with the win over the Chargers, but now they have the Chiefs and the Colts over the next two weeks before they take on the Broncos to wrap up the, the end of the regular season. As that, so you look at it, three teams under, uh, under 500 should be doable, right? I was going to say all three of those games are winnable games. The problem is you have to... You have to take on paper out of consideration and look at some of the, you know, look at the tape. New England, you mentioned, seven one-score losses. And this is a Broncos team that only really truly wins one-score games. I mean, they have not, apart from that Chargers game, I don't think they've won a game by more than one possession. If they've won a game, except for the Chargers game, it's been by only one possession. And so if you're wondering, for Sean Payton, how many times has he done this where he's taken a team on a three-game winning streak to to close out the season to make the playoffs? He did it twice in his 15 years in New Orleans. That seems low. The last time Denver did it, you got to go back to PFM year one. 2012? When they uh, won the 11-game run before losing to the Ravens in the divisional round, the Raheem Moore. No, could, no what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, don't, Raheem? No. No. Don't swim. No. No. So if they're going to go on a three-game winning streak here to end the season and have a chance at making the playoffs, you know, they, they got to get back to running the football. Absolutely. Struggled at Detroit with that. Um, they're, you know, when they, you know, their, their three best rushing efforts this year came during that, that five game winning streak ran for 153 against the chiefs, 145 against the Packers the week before that they ran for 635 yards. It was the eighth most in the league during that stretch. They have not come anywhere really close since then. The Broncos last three weeks, they're 23rd with a 3.4 yards per carry average. That's not good. Well, it's not good enough. Not good enough. Well, I said it ranks them 23rd right now in the league uh, during the last three weeks. And then so Javante Williams, just 27 yards and 12 carries in the loss to the Lions. For Russell Wilson, you know, they with the play action, he managed only 26 yards and eight play action attempts. 
which goes to show you what? Nobody's buying on the Broncos, running the football. They're they're not, they're they're not they're not fooled by the play action because for play action to work, the run game has to be effective, and it's it's not been effective. So one of the keys is got to start running the football. Another key is it's great we once in a while you get in a shot to Cortland Sutton, but right. we saw last week what happened last week. Lions took him away, or Jerry Jerry Judy stepped up and and was able to. Fill that void a little bit, but not nearly enough in a 42-17 to 17 loss. And this, you know, this is further goes to show just how much they missed Tim Patrick. Because that, because Tim Patrick on the field when healthy is that next option. He's probably the second option, and then Judy would be the third option slot guy if Cortland Sutton is taken away. The problem is you don't have that. Or if or Dolchich was available and healthy and productive. Or then you've got an answer at the tight end position, which they don't right now. I'll, I'll do you one better. If, Adam if, Troutman's a nice backup guy, but he should not be the starting tight end. And, you know, you mentioned if Dolchich was healthy. I'll, I'll do you one better if this offense utilized the tight end. I mean, it, which, just, it doesn't seem like they care about the I tight think end position. They can if they've got it. Because when, when last year, Russ with Dolchich, Dolchich had a really good rookie campaign. When that when that option is there, when that talent is there, at playmakers there, last year Russ took advantage of that, and I and I get it's a different offense. It was Hackett last year, it's Sean Payton now. You just feel like that there's, but he also had guys like Jimmy Graham. I mean, there 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 is that in Sean Payton's DNA where the tight end can play a bigger role than what is the case right now. But as far as the deep ball, Russ has only hit on seven of twenty one deep attempts the past three games. Couple touchdowns, both to Cortland Sutton. Through the pick, which pass was supposed to go to Cortland Sutton. It's at thirty three point three percent right now on those deep throws. It's twenty fifth in the league during that stretch. That's a strength of Russell Wilson that right now is clearly not a strength, and is some of that tied with the inability to to play action, to go for the deep shot because teams are biting on the run. Yeah, and that that to me is kind of part of the whole narrative. And and so the, the Lions, they, they did a great job of keeping Sutton in particular from being a factor down the field. So that's got to change. You know, they, they've tried to get Marvin Mims going. I think Marvin Mims has a bright future. But they've not been able to, to really effectively utilize him the way that they would like to. You've, you've got to hope that the, maybe Nick Benito plays, but certainly there's still guys who can put pressure. Uh, Allen up front. Obviously, you, you've got uh, Baron Browning, uh, Jonathan Cooper. They're edge guys that can can bring pressure on whoever, we're assuming it's going to be Bailey Zappi, that, that is going to be the quarterback for the Patriots on on Sunday night. Right. They've, they've got to put pressure. They've got to get... They did. They, Jared Goff looked way too comfortable last Saturday night. Well, he threw for five touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah. I mean, that tells you all that you need to know right there. Now, getting back to the defense for the Broncos, you're going up against a, frankly, garbage offense. I don't care if it's Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. I don't, you know, this offense in the post-Tom Brady era is awful. The 28th in overall offense. It is one of the worst offenses, you know, and... They averaged 13.3 points per game. Yikes. I, yeah. That's dead last in the NFL. D 
NFL. And Belichick's pining for the Broncos offense from last year. Yeah, that's not good. You know, and for for this Denver defense, what they need to need to need to need to do, force turnovers. And it's easier said than done, but when this team was on its most impressive win streak, they had, I think, top five in terms of turnovers generated. They need to go back to that. If you don't win the turnover battle, the Broncos don't win this game. So they've got to force interceptions. They've got to get fumble recoveries. They've got to hold on to fumbles that they recover. Because I think that was the difference maker in the Texans game. They had a fumble recovered, and then they lost it again. Very next drive, Texans go down and score. So, you know, you've got you've to force turnovers, get extra possessions for your offense, maybe even score on defense. Because they've been, during that, particularly that five-game winning streak, very opportunistic in terms of forcing turnovers, pressure being part of that. And the Chargers game, the pressure by Baron Browning, the batted ball, or picked off by Jonathan Cooper, sets up a, a Broncos short touchdown, setting up scoring opportunities, field position. Defense has got to get back to doing that. They didn't do that against Detroit. And look, you go through week seven through week 14, Denver is ninth in pressure rate. They were tied for 13th in sacks. Or through the first six weeks of the season, they were at the bottom of the league. So things have turned around in that department, but also Nick Benito played a role in that as well. Maybe we'll see him play Sunday night. That, that remains very much up in the air, but it's a, a Patriots offensive line, okay, because you're talking about their offense being garbage. Uh, Bailey Zappi's been sacked 11 times in the past three games. Oof. He got sacked nine times combined by the Chiefs and Chargers. It sets up for the Broncos to have an opportunity here. But the defense is gonna. The defense has to take advantage of a bad Patriots offense, force force some mistakes, a zappy interception, a fumble. If Stevenson's out, that's good for the Broncos. Zeke Elliott is not the Zeke Elliott that played in Dallas. That there's an opportunity here for the Broncos to win this game. But it's got to be back to forcing turnovers, putting pressure, and taking advantage of, of of field position because this is a really good Patriots defense. And for the Broncos. On the offensive side, to me, it all begins with being able to run the football. This offense feeds on the ability to run the football. And as we've seen the last, you know, saw in the Detroit game, most notably, if they can't run it, and it's been a number started to decline a little bit, if they can't run it, the offense isn't nearly as effective. So we'll see what happens on Sunday night. Can the Broncos get it to turned around? Three games left in the season, all sub-500 teams, an opportunity for the Broncos to maybe be a playoff team. And for those that say if they don't make the playoffs, it's an epic fail in all this. No. Stop it. If if they can if they can get if they can get to eight wins, nine wins, it's progress. It's not what we all want. I'm not trying to already be defeatist about it, because I I thought they could win all four of the final ones. Obviously wrong about that. Do feel like they can win these final three. Don't know if it's gonna be enough to get in now because of all the, the traffic around them. But that cannot be viewed as this absolute, it's a disaster. Are there things that need to improve? Yes. 
but you've, you've, you've got to take it as progress after a, a one in five start, a disastrous start for this football team, the humiliating loss at Miami, that even if they come up short, you, you can't be, well, we've got to get rid of Sean Payton. No, you don't. So you're, so you're going to start over again. For what, really? the third time in four years? And you're going to get rid of a coach that you traded for and a guy that's actually made the product better. Whether you like the or dislike the fact that he screamed at Russ Saturday night, the, the comments he made to USA Today before the season started, okay, you don't have to like those things. You don't have to like Bounty Gate. Yeah, I, I get there. People still want to litigate that, want to litigate Bounty Gate. That's already, that's over and done now. Has he made this team a better football team? Yes, he has. Maybe maybe not as good as you'd like to think it should be. But once again, the old phrase, use it probably more than I should. You got to crawl before you walk and walk before you can run. This is a team that has not been to the playoffs since the year after Super Bowl 50. That was their last time. They won, That was the last time they won nine games. Was that season after they won the Super Bowl? That was the last time they went to the playoffs. You have to see progress, and we're seeing progress here. I, I just, I just think you have to caution people on the yeah. Well, we're going to get rid of Peyton now. Why? You just traded for him. That does you no good. If 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 they were worse than last year, sure. Okay, I can understand why you'd feel that way. You still should not pull the ripcord yet because once again, you invested in this guy. And it really couldn't be much worse than last year because last year at Christmas, no less, it was over. Nathaniel Hackett it was, was fired. It was he got fired. It was over. It was done. And 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 I, I get Sean Payton's a guy that that's not the, the the warm fuzzy guy. He's not. He's not a super likable guy. He's not going to dress up as Santa for your yeah. for your kids' Christmas party. But you're not hiring him to do that. You're hiring him to be a, an NFL head coach. And make this team better, which he has done. Is there, is there still warts? Is there still cracks? Absolutely there are. They wouldn't be 7-7 seven and seven if there weren't still some problems here. I, I just feel like, because I, I, I've seen this, well, seen this on the text line, see it on socials. Well, if they don't make the playoffs, what an absolute disaster. Stop it. No, it's not. Stop being so overreactionary. I still think they can do it. They're going to need a little help. But first, they have to help themselves starting Sunday night. Agreed. Against the Patriots here on the team. All right, it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1891. Dr. James Naismith introduced the first game of basketball based on 13 rules created by Naismith. The game is tested by 18 students at the school for Christian workers in Springfield, Massachusetts, using a soccer ball, two peach baskets, and two, two teams of nine players each. The objective is to throw a round ball into a round basket attached to a balcony 10 feet above the floor. Then they finally were like, wait a minute, let's cut a hole in that. Because they used to have to get up on the ladder yeah, yeah. and take <laughs> the ball out of the basket. 1941, the Chicago Bears win the NFL championship with a 37-9 route of the New York Giants. 1975, the Buffalo Sabres score eight goals in the third period of a 14-2 win over the Washington Capitals. Also on this day, 1981, or 1991, excuse me, 
Buffalo's Alexander Mogilny. Thinking of you, our late friend Buffalo Mark. Uh, matches an NHL record by scoring five seconds into the game as the Sabres beat Toronto 4-1. to 1997, Barry Sanders of the Lions becomes the third player to rush for 2,000 yards in a season when he gains 184 yards in a 13-10 win over the Jets. Sanders finishes with 2,053 yards second. Derek Dickerson's 2,105 in 1984. I still uh, need to watch the Bye Bye Barry uh, documentary I've heard on, it's good. on um, Amazon right now. And let's see, one other one today, 2008, San Francisco's Isaac Bruce becomes the fifth player to reach 1,000 catches and a three-yard touchdown grab in the 49ers 17-16 win at St. Louis. All right, 940, we'll take a break. We'll come back, some garbage time on the way, some of your text as well. Of course, we'll be here tomorrow, a holiday edition just from 7 to 9 on tomorrow's program, so uh, do keep that in mind. But uh, if something you want to text in today, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970 972-342-1340. Merry Christmas, everybody. Enjoy the holidays, and family time is the best time. From the Grand Valley to Rifle, Delta to Montrose, this is the Jim Davis Show. Out of all the rangers, you know you're the mastermind. 9.43, Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. All right. Let's open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right. It's an extra big dumpster today. And so I don't know if we'll have much time for garbage time tomorrow. Two-hour show, holiday version. So may not have time for a lot of garbage time tomorrow. But play things off with Oklahoma Sooners fans. They're passionate. They love their college football, love love their Sooners. Oh, yeah. But there was news that Caden Green is transferring to Missouri. Some Sooners fans decided to uh, go next level. They started spamming the insurance agency owned by his dad. He's an offensive lineman, and they gave it one-star ratings on Google. <laughs> and apparently he wrote stop it don't do this because no, he wrote stop it this is him the dad um, don't do this because my son chose to enter the transfer portal in football you live in Oklahoma and I've never and, and you and, and have never done business with my office this is a really bad look for the Oklahoma fan base be better I'll I'll be honest. I think it's we might laugh at it a little bit. I don't think it's cool. No, it's this not. This is his, this guy. It's part of his livelihood. And this guy's business. If it was a if he did a terrible job, did what he does. That's one thing. I don't know if, if he's a good insurance agent or not. But it just because his kid decided to transfer made a decision. Come on, Sooner fans. Come on. I, I, I agree with Reginald Green, the dad of Caden Green. How about be better on that? Seriously. Seriously, yeah, 100% agree. This is the guy's livelihood. And you're you're having a toddler-like tantrum because, what, his kid didn't want to play for your favorite football team? Because he decided to transfer. He decided, okay, it wasn't working out here. I'm going to go elsewhere. Stop it. At least I'll, I'll say this in regard to Sooner fans. Well, my friend George is one of them. I'll have to text him about this, see if he's one of the guys that spammed. <laughs> this, poor, this poor insurance agent. At least... 
there's not death threats like the whole Michigan thing with Pete Thamel. Yeah. That works for college game day. And then you had the moron Desmond Howard after when they were in, when they were at the you know, Michigan, Michigan game, Ann Arbor, you know, Michigan, Ohio state where Thamel had to do his segment from inside the stadium and not outside with the game day crew because there've been threats on his life. And you have Desmond Howard who told Thamel to put your big boy pants on. They're nice fans. They're not going to do anything. He'd be okay. Put your big boy pants on. Stop it. At least they didn't do that. No, but still. Because Thamel's taken heat because of the Connor Stallions thing, the sign-stealing incident. There's no place where you should ever threaten somebody's life your fandom should never take you there where you no. threaten the life of somebody or you're out to destroy their business. That's not being a, that's not being a good fan. It's not. It's being a, it's being a terrorist. It's being a psychopath. Yeah. It's, it's not cool. It's not funny. And, and for Desmond Howard, which I don't know if I commented on at the time, that guy's your colleague. Really? Yeah. You're going to make that, idiotic statement you're 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 pissed at him because he reported on your program because you guys were doing something you shouldn't have been doing and he gets death threats for doing his job and you're and you're gonna and you're gonna do that to him oh anyway so um this poor insurance agent this kid does something in the kid's best interest potentially and he gets and the dad gets the one that's yeah. yeah All right, uh, got another one here. Okay, and then you've got if you've got some, feel free here. We've got some. We got some time to make it happen. It is the holidays, and there's an Alabama football player. Well, that has a gift that just keeps on giving. Oh dear! Freshman offensive lineman Elijah Pritchett arrested Wednesday night and charged with knowingly transmitting a sexually transmitted disease. A spokesperson for the Tuscaloosa Police Department said a report was filed last week that led to a warrant being issued for Pritchett's arrest. It's classy misdemeanor in Alabama. Posted $500 bond was released. Pritchett played in 13 games for Alabama this season. Hit the transfer portal last week, but then changed his mind and withdrew from the portal. We'll see what happens with him going forward. Of course, they play Michigan on January 1st. But, um... Gross. It's... It is the holiday season, I guess. Hey. Yikes. That is what a foul. disgusting, awful, awful thing. Foul. Doesn't even begin to describe it. Uh, we talked a little bit about this in Fort Anne Territory. So Florida State calling an emergency meeting, potentially wanting to leave the ACC. So these are some of the uh, responses on the social media platform, formerly known as Twitter. From Sideline Sports Network, FSU and Clemson trying to escape the ACC. SEC says it is content at 16 teams. Big 10 is stretched thin and won't likely offer full value. Can the Big 12 land a Hail Mary? And then the Big 12 page from the Barstool Sports Network says uh, has a college football conspiracy theory. That ESPN left FSU out of the college football playoffs so that they'd want to leave the ACC for the SEC 
Clemson would follow suit, lead to a mass exodus from the ACC with the new SEC deal that ESPN just agreed to. And then Big 12 would pick up Louisville, Pitt, Virginia Tech, and uh, NC State. So they're thinking that this all, you know, Florida State being left out of the college football playoff was a ruse by ESPN to get them to leave the ACC so that they could bolster their SEC media rights deal. I don't know if that's true or not. That's, again, this speculation, conspiracy theory, wacko. But but also, doesn't it kind of itch your brain a little bit thinking, hmm. It makes you ponder for a moment. It does make one ponder because... And, and look, you can just as easily say... Well, not having Jordan Travis hurt their chances of making the college football playoff because you're not going to have, you know, the, the concern was is that if you're going to put Florida State in, then you have three really good teams and one team that's going to probably get completely boat raced in the first round. And they don't want that. They want a good college football playoff. You know, they, they want good good games more so than good teams because if there's only four you only allow four teams you're going to have two games well three because you got the two semifinals and then the championship game and they want the ratings to be good and is Florida State without Jordan Travis going to provide that probably not but my feeling is also this if you if you met the criteria which they they did in certain areas you should be in, but I, I understand. Like I, I'm not trying to be a fence sitter on it. We we talked about it when it all happened. I get on some levels why with the Jordan Travis injury why they were left out, but then my thing is more about Georgia. You lost one game, you lost a three point game to Alabama, and you go from first to out of it. And then the team I'm, that you, that beat you gets in. I'm, I'm more sympath- I'm more sympathetic to Georgia by a long shot than I am Florida State. You lost one game. You got your conference championship game, and you lost. And you play that schedule, and you you're left out. I. But now we'll have a 12 team playoff, and Georgia would if, if things were happening now. Georgia would be in. I don't, I don't see how they they would not be in the college football playoffs. Uh, to a Tonga Viola. Seems to be gets criticized by the media more than he probably should, considering the kind of seasons he's he's having. He's <laughs> they're ten and four. Dolphins lead the AFC East by two games. They have one of the most explosive, not the most explosive offense in the NFL right now. Yep. But he still gets heat. And Tua talked about it. He said that you know he he doesn't pay attention to a lot of comments but I keep receipts. Good for him. It's a good way to phrase it. I I don't get why the guy constantly... The, the, this season, uh, past season's okay. I can I can understand a little bit. But the way that offense is played and the way he, he's played, they're 10-4. They're and four, I'm, I don't get it. Doesn't hurt to have Tyreek Hill, though, there. But still, he's got to get the ball to him. And uh, he's... He's done that to the tune of 12 touchdown passes caught by Tyreek Hill this season. That's pretty good. Yeah. But keeping receipts.
for uh, Tua Tonga Viola. All right, uh, got some text you want to work in before the end of the show. Got about a minute here to do that. Text or call us, Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. Probably don't call in, text in. That'd be faster, 970-242-1340. One final one, Coastal Carolina. They had a picture of their shirtless head coach with the bikini-clad dance team. Oh, dear God. I don't want to know. I don't uh, think there's was, any... Was, but this was... This looks like... This was from the school. This was an organized photo op by the school. It's him with his shirt off. Oh. The, the dance team clad in bikinis with the mascot standing there. Oof. And so they have since taken the photo down. Gee, wonder why... Tim Beck is the name of the head coach, by the way, at uh, Coastal Carolina. I, who thought that was a good idea? Who got that approved? Yeah, who, who thought that was a genius idea to do that? Morons. All right. Anyway, that's our show for today. Always appreciate you listening. Back with you tomorrow morning, 7 to 9. Once again, a holiday edition of the show tomorrow. We'll have our football picks at 840. Jim Rome's coming up next.